0: It was really cool to be like, there was an animal that no longer exists and its species no longer exists. And my that hand. That was right here where is, I am standing.
1: Yeah, and my hand is touching its footprint.
0: Yeah. Well, hi, and welcome to the Hobbs Happenings Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Hobbs, and thanks so much for joining us today. Today on the podcast, I have a very special guest here in studio with me at the Hobbs Happening Studio in Salt Lake City, Utah. It's my beautiful wife, Sarah. Sarah, how you doing?
1: I am doing well.
0: Good. Uh, we are doing our second recording of a podcast today, which is super exciting. Sarah has stuck with me through one, and hopefully she'll want to do this next one, too. So. We
1: have lots going on, people. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm, just podcasting away. Well, this time I thought, Sarah, I'd bring you on to talk about a pretty cool trip that we got to take uh, recently for your job that is now ended at the Utah Tourism Office. Um, would you mind just starting us out and telling us a little bit about what does the Tourism Office do in Utah? What was your role there, and how'd you like it?
1: Yeah, so I previously worked at the Utah Office of Tourism also known as the Governor's Office of Economic Development, also known as Visit Utah. So lots of different titles for different reasons. But this office specifically uh, was for the entire state and was part uh, or underneath the umbrella of the Governor's Office of Economic Development. So therefore, economic development was our goal in uh, attracting tourism from domestic uh, and international markets to the state. And there I was a content editor, which means I edited content from writing to email newsletters to little jobs here and there uh, for the office. And yeah, I liked my job, but I had not another opportunity arise and so was sad to leave that job behind.
0: So the change was really an opportunity for full-time instead of a couple of part-time jobs. Right.
1: Yes. Yeah. Because there wasn't really any opportunity for me to go full time there or to grow in my role. So I decided it was time to move on.
0: Yeah. But great job. They were very, it was awesome that you were able to continue that job whenever the pandemic started and tourism Ended <laughs> mm-hmm. and you, that job was still uh, safe for you. So, that content editing was cool, but what you really wanted to do and what you would love to do at that job is to write. Mm-hmm. And you finally got that chance right before you left <laughs> to write a couple of stories. Yeah. And they sent you out on an assignment.
1: Yeah. So, in their defense, we have a lot going on there mm-hmm. and a lot, a lot of work that just never ends. And so, me getting a story assignment. Constantly was put on the back burner because it was not honestly a priority. Mm. Um, But finally, we got the chance to do that, and I got the chance to pitch a few story ideas. And the one that we went with uh, was camping on Bureau of Land Management lands in Utah, which is public lands for simpler terms. And so Andrew and I had never done that. We've recreated on BLM which is the abbreviation lands.
0: And that's the abbreviation that she'll use. It sounds, it's the same abbreviation in a current political context for Black Lives Matter, but that's not what she's talking about. It's Bureau of Land
1: Management. Yeah. Uh, So, but we've never camped on them. And so there's a lot of pros to camping on BLM land, one of which is most of the time it's free. Mm Mm-hmm. And there are some offices have limits to how many days you can stay, but it's usually around 15 nights and you have to leave for 24 hours and you can come back. So there's a lot of really cool quirks about recreating on public lands that I wanted to learn about, research about, and experience. And so that's what I got to do.
0: Yeah, so we got the chance. You talked them into letting me come along with you, which I was super excited about. Yeah. And we took a trip out to the eastern part of the state in Utah to Mm -hmm. a city called Vernal.
1: Yeah, so Vernal, Utah uh, identifies themselves as Dino Land or Dinosaur Land because literally they are a dinosaur fossil mecca. Um, It's unending there and I mean they give you percentages of how many fossils are have yet to be uncovered and they even say there are certain canyons where common folk like us not a paleontologist or archaeologist or anything like that can just walk up to the canyon wall and find a fossil within minutes. So it's a pretty cool place pretty desert mm-hmm. pretty hot. But we got fortunate because we went during a strange cold front. And I don't know if there was a hurricane or something going on that caused all that. There was there was something weird happening on the, east, part of the country, on the but, east coast yeah. that was causing this cold front to come through in July. And
0: we were so grateful for
1: it. We were so grateful because we would have died probably. Yes. But so yeah, we went to Vernal. Uh, but beforehand, I did a lot of interviews and a lot of research to figure out what specifically, so we didn't just wing it. So we had a pretty laid out itinerary. And on the first day, we went to Vernal to grocery shop um, and to eat out with the local tourism director, Leisha. She was
0: a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, we ate at the dinosaur brew house. Uh, but the reason we did our grocery shopping there is just because of COVID and. My co-workers have taught me the importance of pouring into the communities that you visit now, if you are able, just to give a little extra love to their economy. So that's why we did grocery shopping there and not in Salt Lake. But.
0: Yeah. Uh, so what kind of help, I guess, were you given from the tourism lady that we talked to, from the BLM offices and stuff like that? Like, what things did you learn In your preparation for the trip that were very helpful whenever you actually went, as opposed to just, all right, I'm going to drive out to Vernal and figure it out.
1: So I'd say the biggest one is for when nature calls Mm -hmm. or when you're ready to seize your pooper-tunity, Mm -hmm. as I call it. Mm -hmm. Because one thing about BLM land is there's not bathrooms usually. We were fortunate because we had a lot of dump toilets near where we stayed, but that typically doesn't happen. So you have to know how to use the restroom, how to use it safely, and how to prevent animals being attracted to it.
0: I would like to point out as well, you, your ears were not lying to you. Sarah did say pooper-tunity. I, I didn't want to to gloss over that. The, Sarah's great with when it comes to marketing things. She and I have different views on uh, great phrases that, that she likes to use. But continue.
1: Yeah, and so that's one. Also, washing your dishes. Um you raise your chances of attracting animals when you just use normal soap and just pour it right by your tent because that soap is scented and also is enticing to bears and other wildlife. So you have to learn how to wash your dishes properly and dispose of your gray water uh, to keep yourself safe. Honestly, and then there's other environmental concerns in that, but that's not always a priority, even though it is important to note. I guess. Um and uh, maps. I learned a lot about the importance of maps and how to access those. The BLM Utah has this pretty awesome digital map. Um, that shows you where the land boundaries are, which of it is leased by oil companies or mining companies, because you don't really want to recreate on those one, because they're not so pretty, mm-hmm. and also because it's not really safe. Mm-hmm and hunting. There's a lot of um, land leased to hunters. You don't really want to be out there if you're not sure if it's the right season, so things like that. Um, and one of the coolest things about the maps is they've developed a lot that have QR codes on them. So you can go into a local office, uh, maybe like a tourism center or a BLM office, and get a map with a QR code on it. You can get a um, download a downloadable map app like the Avenza app and you can scan the QR code and it will give you a digital map on your phone that can be used offline. So if Andrew and I went in the middle of the boonies and we didn't have phone service, we could pull that map up still on our phone and access it.
0: Yeah. Which is super helpful again, like you said, so you're not in a spot where you're not supposed to be and might be not the greatest part there. Um, So got to Verna, like you said, went grocery shopping, went and uh, talked to Alicia. Was that right?
1: Right. We went and saw Alicia, and then we went and got um, your mountain bike.
0: Yeah, so Sarah already had a mountain bike, and that's one of the things that we planned on doing there was to take a very easy and beginner mountain bike trail, because I've never done it before. Sarah's done it some. Uh, And so we went and rented one for me, went back pretty close to where we camped, and did a couple of trails. They were called, like, milk and cookies or something yeah like the that. milk and
1: cookies loop um is one we did but it was at the mccoy flats trailhead mm. which is this big trail network that the blm has created um and most of them all connect so you could technically ride them for an entire day
0: we did not do that
1: we did not do that
0: <laughs> i will be honest I, there are some things i'm good at in life and there are some things that i'm not mountain biking would go in the latter category. It was, uh, <laughs> every time we hit a hill, uh, we, we struggled to get up it and ended up walking our bikes up. <laughs> the yeah, we definitely we were
1: lacking in technique and skills. But even sure. as
0: beginners with those tracks, it was still fun as long as you know what to expect when you're doing it uh, and, and that sort of thing. Yeah. I still think my favorite time, I've done mountain biking once before, but it was like... Sissy mountain biking. Whenever yeah. Uncle Dan, and Julie and their family came out, uh, they let me tag along with them into Park City. And we took a ski lift with our bikes up to the top of the mountain. And then instead of skiing down, we rode the mountain bikes down. Which to me was the best of both worlds. Because you could be on a bike, but it was like you were riding a ride and just going down the whole time. Maybe yeah. that's really lazy. I don't know. But mountain biking was a interesting experience.
1: For yeah, us. and then before that, we actually went, and went ahead and set up our camp. Mm-hmm. Which we didn't really have a lot of options, did we, Andrew?
0: I mean there were a few.
1: <laughs> we had prob miles and miles of options to put our tents. So to where that's... you would
0: see nobody around you.
1: Right. So there were a few clusters of trees out in this mesa and desert landscape, but all those were pretty occupied by long term campers and things like that, which was smart of them, honestly. But, um, yeah, we just went and found a cozy spot where we could tell someone had already camped. And there was a fire ring, which means we didn't have to build one of our own. Uh, And there were some mesas, which were good for blocking the wind, Mm -hmm. um, which it was pretty windy there. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then after that is when we biked. And then after that, we went and got dinner at the Plaza Mexicana.
0: It was wonderful. I also believe we saw on one of the TVs, it was uh, a, a channel that was in Spanish So I didn't hear what it was saying because it was also um, not very loud in the restaurant. But there were some had horse races that were on there, and I think they were happening in Kentucky. And so there was, like, University of Kentucky stuff in the background. It was weird. We were watching
1: Kentucky horse races in a Mexican restaurant in Vernal,
0: Utah. It was fantastic. Yeah,
1: but it was such a colorful restaurant. And the food was wonderful. All the booths were, um, like... Latino images, cultural aspects carved out of wood mm-hmm. and then painted really bright colors, which mm-hmm. was cool. Um, yeah, we had huge servings with no refrigerator for leftovers, so yes. we had to eat as much as we possibly could. Which
0: isn't an issue for me. For Sarah, sometimes it's it's an issue. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, but pretty much like 98% of the people we talked to recommended that place, so we had to eat there. And then afterward with our full bellies tow, we went back to our campsite and I believe we closed it up to the fire for a bit mm-hmm. and then went to bed. And I will
0: say that, so I never did very much camping growing up. Like we'd go, we had a camper that we used a few times. We would use a tent in the backyard every once in a while, but not very often. So Sarah's introduced me to a lot of this camping stuff. But I was, I really liked doing it on the BLM land because it seemed your, my vision of what camping is was a lot closer to the BLM land, the federal land, than going to a campsite. Campsites are awesome, and they're really cool. But if you want to feel uh, out and, you know, distant and, you know, isolated and alone and that sort of thing in a good way, like to try to get some privacy and things like that and to just be alone and be refreshed, I think that doing the BLM land was awesome because like really we could look around 360 and not see anybody else and yeah. that's just kind of a cool feeling that you don't get very often right. depending on where you live
1: yeah and i there are lots of pros to campgrounds as well mm-hmm. especially with kids mm-hmm. uh, but if you're looking for peace be alone land is the way to go
0: yeah and that it's not just as scary as like when sarah first mentioned this to me i thought it was like we're gonna be backpackers or something and we're, we like we have Which to be, would be cool it would be cool but i'm not that yet so like try trying to do everything ourselves but it wasn't like that like she said we found a spot where it was obvious someone had camped there before there was already a firing there so we didn't have to build all of those things but we were still you know isolated and still mm-hmm. uh, private and all of those things
1: Yeah, and so the next day, we packed up camp from McCoy Flats, and we went and ate at my favorite restaurant, Betty's Cafe.
0: Sarah raved about this place the entire time. Sarah's dream in life would be to live somewhere that's like a small town type thing or in a rural area, to go to a restaurant kind of like what my dad has at the Blue Hen, where she walks in, sits down, doesn't even order, and they just bring her food to her. And that's what this restaurant seemed like it was for most of the people that were there.
1: Yes. So lots of cowboy hats, Mm -hmm. lots of regulars, lots of coffee refills, my kind of place. Uh, And then after that, we went to a super cool place called Red Fleet State Park. Mm -hmm. And on the way to Red Fleet from downtown Vernal, there's actually all these um, established government signs along the highway saying, like, this is where these type of fossils were found for marine creatures during this period or whatever, whatever, whatever. Like, five miles down the road, they're like, this is where this type of dinosaur roamed and there was a fossil found here. So, like, as you're driving the highway, you see all these signs. So, it's just, like, a cool, um, time of like reflection and awe, honestly like just like really cool and it's super scenic Mm. like super super scenic um and then you get into the state park and we rented um a kayak for two Mm. and got into the reservoir which was awesome surrounded by lots of red rocks and rolling hills Um, In
0: hindsight, I wish we would have put the kayak in the back of the vehicle we were in or on top to drive it down to the spot to put it in the water because it's a little heavy.
1: That was a tense moment for us. It was,
0: but we made it down and it was good and it was awesome. Just paddling around, uh, very relaxed. We uh, went on one of the landing areas, I guess, and walked up the rock a little bit and saw um, like dinosaur footprints that had been fossilized and were still there. And I had never seen anything like that in person in the wild quote unquote before and it was really cool to be like there was an animal that no longer exists and its species no longer exists and my that hand was right here where is, I am standing
1: yeah and my hand is touching its footprint yeah and it was probably drinking out of the reservoir mm-hmm. is what they assume um but yeah that was that was awesome and oh my gosh aris is what i like to say cuz that was a pretty rad moment <laughs> we're gonna work on these things (laughs) but
0: it was a good time yeah after red fleet uh we what went and actually did the trail that's designed for because you can you can uh do water recreation red fleet go up and see those dinosaur tracks or you can do a trail that takes you on a hike. Uh, And then you come out at the reservoir there. So we did both because we had stuff to do, time to uh, do We picked
1: the worst time of day to do that hike. It was a little toasty. I hiked in my bathing suit top Mm -hmm. because I was so hot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Not not great timing, but still a pretty hike. And then after that, we went to McConkie Ranch, which at first was not visually striking.
0: Yes. (laughs) And we were
1: kind of like, where the heck are we?
0: It's privately owned.
1: Yeah, it's private owned land. People still live on it. There's four houses that kind of look like they were taken straight out of Kentucky somewhere. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's, like, this little shack that has a donation box in it and this rough little gravel parking lot. And then this one little sign that, like, points, like, petroglyphs this way or something. And so we walk up, and there's, like, two petroglyphs, which are still neat to see, but totally underwhelming. And so we're like, okay, cool, took a few pictures, went back to our car, and then there's this sign that says Three Kings Trail. And I remember... We met that lady at the BLM office and mm-hmm. she was like, oh, you gotta do Three Kings, you gotta do Three Kings. So I was thinking, okay, maybe this is the actual trail mm-hmm. that we need to do because everyone talks about how amazing this place is. And so we hiked this trail through like a grass pasture.
0: I wish I would have been wearing pants I had shorts. Lots of
1: bugs and I swear we were going to see a snake, but we never did. And then we ended up finding, it led to a rock face that went on for about a mile or so, and it was just covered in petroglyphs all the way down. And then there's the three kings at the very end, which I'm pretty sure I said about five times before that. Oh, that's three kings. Oh, that's three kings. Mm -hmm. And then we actually found the three kings, which were really high. They were about probably a mile up on the rock face. Uh, So you just try to imagine like a Native American up there like painting it. Uh, which is crazy to think about.
0: Yeah. It was really cool to see. I loved it.
1: Yeah. So that was in Dry Fork Canyon. Um, and kind of crazy that that family has held on to it for that long, uh, but neat that they have that within their family. Mm-hmm. Family, But it's crazy that they let all those people on their property all day long when they also live in those houses.
0: Yeah. Definitely worth the trip, though. It, it, it Like I said, it's a different type thing of the dinosaur tracks being, you know, these animals no longer exist and they made this. And then going and seeing some humans, uh, you know, what they had left behind with their culture uh, from many, many moons ago.
1: Yeah. And so after that, we had a little bit of a drive ahead of us. Mm-hmm. Um, we were going to set up camp for night two, which was our last night. Um, and originally, we were going to be camping off Donkey Flats Road, which was near Redfleet. Fleet. Um, but when we were at the BLM office, Renee um rc or rca i believe his name was was the recreation director and he was like no you gotta go to jensen off of escalante ranch road because this is like the place where the locals go and they don't really tell a lot of people about it because it's a treasure Mm -hmm. and they don't want it to become a tourist hotspot." and so i was like this is awesome ironic that i'm going to be writing about this in an article on utah's tourism website but let's do it so we went we found this road in jensen a pass uh, across the green river and drove probably three miles down the road. No one out there. We passed two cars on the road. We saw one other guy camping on the edge of a mesa above the Green River mm-hmm. facing and Mountain and Dinosaur National Monument, mm-hmm. which was like the epic of scenery. Yep. And then we camped on the other side of the mesa. Uh, we ended up not setting up our tent because of why, Andrew?
0: Because we thought that there there was a lot of poop. That was around. There was a lot of poop. And it was pretty big. And so we thought that there might be an animal that is big enough to make this poop. And we decided that we would just camp inside of the SUV that we were driving. uh, And slept there for the night. If we had had bear spray and or a weapon with us, I think we could have done it outside. And we didn't have a bear come up and like rock the car or anything. But...
1: We uh, considered that scenario.
0: Yes. Uh, But yes, it, it was... But it was so... Cool, Because we were also kind of up on a mesa looking over the river and
1: mm-hmm. all of
0: the the beautiful scenery out there. And it was just so awesome. Like, I, I don't know how else to describe it. It was beautiful. Like Sarah said, there are only, like, one or two other people that you could even see in the far distance that were out there. But it was such a neat place to be able to stay.
1: Yeah. Um, best case scenario, the poop was from a cow. Mm -hmm. Worst case scenario, it was from a black bear. But I didn't see many cows around,
0: so... I didn't see many cows either. I mean, to be fair, we didn't see a bear. That's true. Maybe the cow had climbed the tree.
1: Yeah, but um, the craziest moment about that was we woke up at like 2 a.m. I think it was just the Lord waking me up, and I looked at our car and our fire had reignited because the wind was so strong. Mm,
0: And we had tried to end it. We poured... Yeah, we
1: poured water on it. We Mm -hmm. kicked dirt on it. We broke up the wood. But the wind was just so strong up there because we were on a curvature of a mesa. So it was just kind of the wind pattern was just going up the side and over the edge, Mm -hmm. which our our fire was on the edge. Uh, It just reignited. And so (laughs) Andrew risked his life for his damsel in distress and went out in the darkness... And put out the fire again. Didn't you pour the rest of our water on it?
0: I think so. Just yeah, to make we sure were we were out, out
1: nice. of hydration at that point.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but that was scary, but we fixed it and went back to went back to bed. But, but definitely it was... make
0: sure if you were camping that you always put out the fire and then you check on it later on to make sure that it's still out because that's how a lot of damage is done in uh, many places. Especially here. Yeah. Sarah's... Uh, Back in Tennessee, whenever you were in high school or something, there it was It was college. Yeah, uh, it was a, a bad fire that destroyed much of what Pigeon Forge.
1: And yeah, the Smoky Mountains.
0: Yeah, um, there's wildfires as we are recording this right now that are close to where David and Sarah are living in Monterey County. Yeah, MRA, and last month
1: we had wildfires about a hundred miles south of us, and the entire city was evacuated. Yeah. So like. There to be taken seriously for sure
0: listen to smoky only you can listen stop sp- the wildfire
1: listen to smoky that's right yeah so that was a very eventful night um and then we woke up had some snackaroos for breakfast right and then went to fantasy canyon mm-hmm. which was literally in the middle of nowhere
0: in an oil field. In an oil or field or something like it that. It looked like a scene out of a sci-fi movie because the... It would be
1: perfect for a space movie. Yeah,
0: the rock formations, is it sandstone that is all there?
1: It's shale, siltstone, and sandstone.
0: Yeah, and it was just... Like all these weird looking shapes, it looked like if you were to do a movie and you were setting it on Mars or something like that. Besides, I don't think it was red, wasn't?
1: It? it was gray.
0: It was gray, but like that sort of a thing. That's what it looked like. They had um, certain things you could look out for, like the the witch's face, the witch's face, and, and the the, the three dogs or something like that.
1: Yeah, and. I don't know. Not real big, though. Yeah,
0: to walk around, it doesn't take you that long. But there's always something to look at whenever you're going to the different uh, spots as you're walking around there. So again, a little toasty, but it could have been worse. Uh, We brought water, so it was great.
1: It was very toasty. Yes. And also, the place is very fragile. Mm -hmm. So as much as you want to climb on everything, uh, it'll break pretty easily if you're not careful. Yeah. Which is kind of sad for the future of the location, mm-hmm. but uh, I don't think it rains a lot out there, so I don't think they have a lot to worry about. Yeah. No. But uh, and then after that, we did our last hurrah to the Orae National Wildlife Refuge, which I
0: did not have a lot of faith in that this would be a great fun thing to do because I was thinking it's like it's like an African safari except we're just going to see deer
1: and birds and
0: birds and like i, I grew up in somewhat rural kentucky and we 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 lived on a farm but didn't farm it so like i've seen yeah. turkeys and deer and it's yeah. nice but but so, it, it surprised me it was actually really cool to drive around it
1: yeah so i mean it was it was beautiful um but it's kind of weird cuz it's like this oasis of green in the middle of a very red and dry place so the reason it's so green is because it's nurtured and it's cared for by uh, the locals and the refuge but they they built it and established it because they noticed they had a lot of birds migrating to that area but a lot not a lot of them having a lot of room to nest or to comfortably migrate there and I think in order to uh, assist these certain species they made this refuge um, but since then it's attracted elk it's attracted. Bear, we saw a cow randomly drinking out of the river, which was weird.
0: Probably the same one that left all that poop at our previous day's camp. Yeah.
1: Through. And they say that there's other, like, moose and stuff there, but we didn't see any of that. I've still never seen it. It was moose. also, like, noon. So that's not the prime time of day to be. That's like when you go to the zoo. You don't want to go in the hot of the afternoon.
0: Because animals are smart and they sleep when it's hot.
1: Yeah. But it was cool. I took a picture of a cute grasshopper, mm-hmm. saw some fish. Saw a cow, saw some birds, climbed a tower, and then we left. Fun times? Yeah.
0: I think my favorite part of the whole trip was after we left, we went to this, uh, it was it a, a brewery where we ate at? That was before. I
1: forgot that was before. Or before,
0: whatever it was. That last meal that we had, I thought was really cool. The Vernal
1: Brewery Company. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, lots of comfort food and burgers. And they also had a garden next to the patio we did outside, and it turns out that's where they grow their own vegetables for the kitchen, and the hops for the brewing. Um, So it's kind of cool. And then they take all the spent grain that they have, and they give it to all the local farms to feed their livestock. Mm -hmm. So kind of just a neat place all around.
0: Yeah. Uh, Two things that I really enjoyed about Vernal that we have not yet talked about. I don't know if this uh, certain individual has a name But there is, on one side of the town of Vernal, as you drive into town, an iconic, gigantic, pink dinosaur that you see as you come in.
1: Isn't her name Dinah? Probably. I thought. But
0: it was so cool. And we got our picture next to it. And I just thought it was the coolest thing ever. Um, Yep. Also, random thing of just how small the world is. When I was in college... And went to a job fair at the school that I attended. Mm-hmm. They had a school from Utah, a Christian school from Utah, that was hiring a history teacher that I actually talked to a little bit. And considered, you know, moving forward with that before this opportunity at ICS had come up. And that school was there in Vernal. And we drove past it uh, to see, like, an alternative.
1: Wasn't it Uinta Basin Christian Academy or I think something? so,
0: yeah. But, like, an alternative timeline of what my life could have been. We
1: could have been living in rural Utah. Which is beautiful. In dino land.
0: And the houses are so much more affordable, and <laughs> we were trying to d- discuss the fact that, that we should probably stay in Salt Lake. But Vernal's awesome, and I would not mind living there at all. It's really cool because...
1: There was a TJ Maxx.
0: There was a TJ Maxx. Well, because like Vernal, since it's the only decent-sized town within quite a pretty big radius around it. It, it has things that, like, if you were in Kentucky and lived in that size of town, it has more things than you probably have there because there's not a Louisville or a Lexington that's pretty close. But it's still isolated. So when we were doing that BLM uh, camping, the first night, what would you say? We were 15 minutes away from town. town?
1: But we were in the middle of nowhere. Yeah.
0: Like, there was nothing around but 15 minutes and you could be in a decent-sized town. So it was awesome. I loved Vernal. I'd like to go back someday and for us to go and do more things over there. But it was a pretty cool trip.
1: Yeah, because it's definitely a different experience when you are in the mindset of taking notes and recording what you're doing and trying to remember every single detail for a story. Which,
0: lucky for me, I did not have to do.
1: So uh, there was like this uncomfortable level of stress with mixed with trying to relax and have fun at the same time, but also get to everywhere at time and do everything I needed to do on the list. Which we actually ended up not doing everything that we had planned to do, which is okay, because mm-hmm. we did a substantial amount of things. Mm-hmm. But, totally different experience than just going on a trip and enjoying it till its fullest. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But awesome trip. Had a good time. Uh, Sarah actually wrote two articles that have been published about her excursion there. That Where you can, can our listeners find those, Sarah?
1: You can find those articles at visitutah.com, one of which is titled, A First Ever Camping Trip on BLM Lands. And also how to camp on BLM lands in Utah.
0: And if you check out the Facebook or Instagram post for this episode, the links will be there as well. So you can nice. check out Sarah being published. Hot and,
1: dog. And she took
0: pictures while we were there too, and I took some pictures. So we're both in the stories and Andrew it's just a was lot of
1: fun. S- such a model.
0: I am a model. I didn't get paid though, and I was disappointed. But that's okay. Yeah. Uh, it'll start my modeling career and uh, it's really going to take off here soon so you can say you knew me when (laughs) but Sarah thanks so much for joining and taking the time to talk about our fantastic trip to Vernal I had fun I hope you did too
1: yeah do you want to go to the pool now
0: (laughs) sure And to those of you listening, thanks so much for joining us here in the Hobbs Happenings podcast, where we use stories to bring our family closer together. I'm your host, Andrew Hobbs. Join us next time for another exciting episode. And until then...
1: Toodles.